Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 21. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to best-selling author Gary Renard. With his books, The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and Love Has Forgotten No One, the third book that will be released in the spring of 2009, and we'll have more discussion about that as we progress. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, and the man himself is on the other end of the line. He is the star of our show. It's Gary Renard. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm here in Southern California where it's nice and sunny, about 80 degrees. Ooh. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a strange atmosphere around here today because several psychics have predicted that there's going to be a tsunami today. A tsunami? Yeah, on the day that we're recording here. Uh, oh. You know, I was at this, uh, you know, conference this past weekend. Actually, I was at, I was at two conferences because Wednesday night I went to uh, this kind of like pre-conference with this group called the Founding Mystics. And they're yeah. this bunch of guys who believe in uh, reincarnation and uh-huh. They're really into it. Yeah. And I'm kind of like one of them because they believe that they were there 200 years ago at the time of the American Revolution, 230 years ago, whatever. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm one of them, and I was, well, I'll talk about that more in the next book. But uh, so we just kind of like hang out together, and they're, they're fun people, but they're not really A Course in Miracles. Right. So they, they're they kind of like into making the body real, you know, where uh, if you look at a uh, reincarnation from A Course in Miracles standpoint, we never actually incarnate into bodies. It just looks that way. Right. Like uh, an optical delusion, you know, like Einstein's uh, optical delusion of consciousness. <laughs> uh, it looks and feels like you're in a body, but you're really not. So uh, technically, there's not really any such thing as reincarnation because you never actually incarnate. Where, uh, you know, these guys, on the other hand, they really believe in the body and that you actually incarnate into a body and that you're seeing with the body's eyes, where the Course would say that you're actually reviewing mentally you know, that which has already gone by. So it's uh, definitely a different way of looking at things. But I love these people because they're just so cool and they're so friendly. They're kind of like uh, family. Mm-hmm. So I just go there and hang out with them. Then on Thursday, I went to the Hay House Conference in Tampa. So I flew from uh, L.A. to, you know, to your neck of the woods. That's right. Uh, we, we didn't actually get to see each other, but you were just across the state from me over in Tampa. Yeah, because it was really hectic. I mean, we had, uh, I did this TV radio type thing on uh on Friday that's going to be at the Hay House website and uh, did my workshop on Saturday. And, and it's a great conference because you get to see all these other authors and they have an author's dinner, mm-hmm. you know, on Saturday night. So all of a sudden I get to meet all these, you know, uh, people like Brian Weiss and Byron Katie. And, did you see my uh, buddy Wayne? Oh yeah, I saw Wayne. Did you tell him I said hello? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I did. And also... Uh, and he, he, said Gene, he said, Gene who? Yeah, I haven't no, seen him in a while, but he's, you know, we've known each other a long time. Briefly, as you, I, I actually I couldn't get away from him because uh, <laughs> I got there and he comes into the elevator, you know, and I go out to the swimming pool and he's at the swimming pool, and uh, he's a guy that he's always out walking or doing something, some kind of exercise. He's omnipresent, actually. Yeah, he is, <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, got to be I hung out with like James Twyman and Greg Brayton and. Mm-hmm. You know, these uh, really, really nice people. So pretty much everybody that I know was there except me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you just got to, uh, you know, write a Hay House book. That's right. I just got to get my Hay House book out there. I'll, I'll work on that. You know, anybody who ever wrote a Hay House book or even co-authored a Hay House book and the whole existence of Hay House was invited to Louise Hay's last birthday party. Right. So recording artist. I'm, I'm a Hay House recording artist, but that doesn't count, apparently. Well, maybe it does. I should double check on that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. How old is Louise now? Because I know she's, uh, you know, a, uh, up there a bit in age, right? She's uh, 82. Ah, mm-hmm. But yeah, she looks just, great. She you, was you... there uh, Saturday night at the uh-huh. author's dinner, and uh, I got to chat with her for a few minutes, and uh, she introduced me to a couple of friends. Yeah. And uh, she's just a wonderful person, uh, full of energy. You you would think she was 20 years younger than she is, both looks-wise and in her attitude and sharp. And I mean, she's amazing. Definitely. And uh, on... Uh, that TV radio thing I did, I was on with a couple of other people like, uh, well, Alan Cohen, who I had never met before, mm-hmm. uh, and he's written about 10 books. Yeah, I thought I read one of his somewhere, a very interesting guy. And this guy from England named Robert Holden, mm-hmm. uh, very nice man, and uh, we have mutual friends in England, we got to talking for a while, and uh, it's fun just to, 
get to meet all these other people and compare notes and you know see what they're doing. And I'm also struck by the fact that not one of them teaches the same thing that I do, <laughs> which is really uh, really interesting in a way because uh, Course in Miracles has been around for 30 years now, and everybody quotes from it. Right. Yeah. But nobody teaches it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I I think that. Uh, that's a very interesting phenomenon. Well, so people don't misquote you. I mean, you're not saying that nobody teaches it, but so few do uh, compared to the many who quote and reference it. Well, yeah. I mean, you might have uh, someone like Ken Wapnick who really sticks to the course, but he was there. You know, he's one of the publishers, technically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Judy Scotch and people like that. But, uh, you know, except for people who are not well-known, I, I can't think of anybody, you know, I should say, you know, just well-known people. Right. Uh, I, I can't really name any well-known person who really sticks to the Course in Miracles and teaches it. And uh, that's an interesting phenomenon. Now, uh, as far as the, uh, you know, uh, what do we call it, tsunami today, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not getting any hits on that. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. But these people were, like, really into it, and they were, you know, just, just this buzz all weekend. Not at the Hay House Conference, because the Hay House people didn't see it happening uh, and didn't think it was going to. But these Sounding Mystics people who are happen to be meeting in Marina Del Rey Ooh. Uh, here in California. Not a good tsunami location. No, not at all. And so they all plan to be out of town by Tuesday today. <laughs> because and, uh, of this? Yeah. Was that the intention would get out of town? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll see who's right. Uh, I hope that I'm right. If I'm not, well, then, uh, you know, I, I did make out a will. <laughs> you know, so, and... Uh, and I hope it's in a waterproof pouch. Yeah, really. Uh. I sent it to several different places, you know, just in case. Well, you're in high ground there, right, where you are and in the L.A. area? You're not right at the beach. I'm not right at the beach. I'm about uh, seven or eight miles mm-hmm. from the beach, but I am not on high ground. It's, ah. uh, it's all pretty flat. I told uh, you to move to Beverly Hills when you moved out there. Well, I wanted to, and then I saw the prices. <laughs> and, you know, not that Brentwood is a bad place. It's a great place. Uh-huh. Uh, especially since O.J. moved out. Yes, yes, much safer now. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> boy, that was eerie, him getting uh, convicted 13 years to the day. Amazing. After uh, he was acquitted. Yeah. I wonder if there's some kind of karmic significance in that in that number. Yeah, there are a lot of significance to dates. Uh, they're kind of like windows. Mm-hmm. Like my teachers explained in the next book that uh, very often a day that you pass away in one lifetime will be the day that you're born in another lifetime. Oh, so they're saying it's actually like simultaneous? Yeah, it's kind of like a window. And, ah. uh, for example, uh, I was at the Alamo, which uh, happened on March 6, 1939. I was killed at the Alamo in that lifetime. And in this lifetime, I was born on March the 6th, ah. which is the uh, day that the Alamo fell. Right. I guess the Alamo, that was, did you say 1839 or 19? You meant 1839. Yeah, 1839. Yeah, yeah. I, it may have been me who misheard it, but yeah, I remember the Alamo. Oh, <laughs> really? <clears throat> Cool. Were you uh, Santa Ana, or I, I hope not. <laughs> uh, you were one of those. Uh, you were one of those uh, kind of like uh, Mexican banditos. That, I may have been a, mad, a bandito. Maybe that's why I recreated that, that yeah. commercial. Yeah, that's how you were so good. There's uh, for those of you who don't know. There's a commercial at YouTube. Uh, you can see Gene. He plays a Mexican bandito in this TV commercial, and it is a riot. It is, it is just really great. you got to check that out. My claim to fame, yes. You find me at YouTube. We also have your video there. Yeah. And we're going to have a new video there soon involving both you and I, primarily you. But, yeah, just just letting people know. So keep checking the Gene Bogart's YouTube channel or just do a search for Gary Renard because you have a lot of clips nowadays on YouTube. Yeah, if you type in Gary Renard, I think there's about a, a dozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, uh, I think, four in particular that people have really been watching right. quite a bit. We've gotten a lot of hits on them. So. Uh, that's exciting because, you know, you know, you just never know. Like, uh, I heard from these people in Brazil that have been watching a clip that somebody made without my permission. <laughs> but uh, it's fun because it came out good. But, you know, you have to be careful nowadays because, like, I was at this dinner in uh, Mexico. Well, I think I saw the one of you. They, they had done it on just a little camera phone. Yeah, they yeah. Somebody recorded me on their cell phone. Yeah, I uh, did a video and put the video on YouTube. So you know you got to be careful nowadays because anybody could take a, a video of you and you could see it uh, the following day on YouTube. Yeah, so the Big Brother is watching the Eye on the Sky. We're going to use that for our new theme. Yeah, uh, fortunately, I'm usually you know very very nice to people. Now I've seen some videos at YouTube right. <laughs> that people have taken. Where you you see people when they are not at their best, uh-huh. 
you know, as like Lily Tomlin and poor people like that, where they, you know, got him the worst day of their life, probably. Mm. And then they put it on YouTube, and you think that that's what that person is like. But uh, the extremes usually are not the norm. I mean, usually right. these people are nice, and yeah, anybody can have a bad day. Luckily, you're always nice, Gary. Well, I did have a bad day in uh, near Cincinnati. I wanted to ask you about this, and so folks will know, we are going to do primarily questions for Gary in this episode, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. So that was the last thing we'll bring up is the one thing I wanted to ask you about, because uh, I know there was discussion at our DU Yahoo group, who we always say hello to, that you had had a bit of an accident, and uh, why don't you tell us what happened? It involved the separation. That's all I'm going to say. You take it. <laughs> yeah, it did actually involve uh, separation in a way. I was getting on uh, an escalator. Uh, at the Cincinnati airport, which is actually not in Cincinnati. It's actually in Kentucky, but that's an entirely different story. <laughs> and uh, they, I guess they call it the Cincinnati International Airport in northern Kentucky. And uh, you have to go, you know, about 20 miles and cross the Ohio River before you're actually in Cincinnati. And when you go back, you cross the river to Newport, uh, Kentucky, and go about 20 miles. And uh, I was, uh, you know, going to leave. I was getting on the escalator to go down. Now, there were like several people trying to get on the escalator at once. I just happened to be first, and there was nobody in front of me, and somebody behind me, they were trying to get on too quickly. Somebody accidentally pushed somebody, and this, you know, this wasn't on purpose or anything, and somebody bumped into somebody, and they kind of like bumped into me from behind. I wasn't looking that way, and then, to make a long story short, I ended up going face first uh, down the escalator. Mm. And uh, escalators are very hard. You all hard, sharp little corners. Yeah, with metal uh, things on the corners and everything. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, I didn't break anything. Mm. Uh, I did separate my shoulder, which is why we joked that this is based on the separation. <laughs> right. Because I, I did separate my shoulder, but the uh, doctor kind of like put it back into position uh, by snapping it, which uh, was a lot of fun. Oh. And uh, I had a lot of cuts on my face. I had to have five stitches. You know, I was bleeding. I looked like I just got back from Iraq or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had terrible, really bad bruises up and down my body. Now, this was uh, three weeks ago. I was back to doing workshops uh, ten days ago. So it was really, I only took one weekend off. And I want to tell the people, you know, in Boston, because we had to postpone the workshop till November 22nd. But uh, I will be doing that workshop in Boston November 22nd. I took one weekend off. And uh, went back, uh, did a couple of workshops here in California, uh, really just uh, 12, 13 days after uh, the accident. And this past weekend, uh, I flew to Tampa as well as being here in mm. California. So uh, I am healing you know, remarkably fast. It's been, uh, in fact, people have been really surprised, you know, because they saw me with all these cuts on my face. And, you know, 10 days later, they're, they're all gone. Wow. And... Uh, you know, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, uh, if I'm going to be honest with people, I can't always guarantee them that everything is going to go right. <laughs> You're a living example now of that. Well, everybody is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at Jesus at the end of his life, things weren't exactly going good. Yeah, no, not as the world sees it, no. No. And the point is, it didn't matter. You know, that's the point. I mean, uh, you know, people... Uh, when they get into this kind of spirituality, for example, they, they think, well, they're never going to get sick. Mm. Well, that's not true. Uh, pretty much everybody's going to get sick at one point or another of something. And it's not whether or not you get sick or whether or not you have an accident or whether or not you get crucified. Uh, and usually those things aren't going to happen. Usually you know, you're going to have a normal life and you're going to have a lot of good things that are going to happen. But once in a while, you know, there's, there's something that's going to happen where things don't go right. And when they do, the point is not what's happening. The point is how you're looking at what's happening, what you use it for, how you respond to it. Uh, it's like I tell people in my workshops, you may not always have a complete choice, at least consciously, as to what you experience. But you always have a complete choice as to how you experience it. You know, how good are you at practicing forgiveness? How much have you been practicing? You know, how much can you take this situation and use it for forgiveness and use it, uh, you know, for healing, for example? Uh, you were mentioning to me earlier, because sometimes we talk in private before we do these, you were mentioning uh, the section in the teacher's manual, you know, how is healing accomplished? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can take sections like that and really apply them to what's going on in your everyday life, 
Use it for healing. Use it to heal quickly. Uh, use it to experiment. Use it to realize that if there is any pain, that it's not in the body, that it's actually in your mind. You know, uh, look to gain power over the situation by the way that you look at it and using it for forgiveness instead of being the victim, instead of being at the effect of the world. Uh, if you take it and ask yourself the same question that A Course in Miracles always asks us, you know, what is it for? Right. That's the important thing. And, you know, that's, a, as you've said before, it's a great line where you said the universe isn't coming at you, it's coming from you. And you know it's your projection. And it's so hard to turn that around. Just real quickly, I was telling you before, the other day, some typical thing had happened to me. And it was like, it, I won't go into it, but it was just like, oh, God, give up, you know. And I said, you know, let me go read the course. And it was one of those, just open it at random. It popped open to that page, how is healing accomplished. And as I read it, I could just feel it all turn around. And it just absolutely didn't bother me in the slightest after that. So I want to get that little mini version of the course and keep it with me all the time because <laughs> when you do that it does work it's amazing yes and it's uh, just remarkable how it's all in the way that you look at it you know it's like uh you know people uh well they'll say oh if you're a good course student you shouldn't get sick no mm. that's not what the course says uh it's always done at the level of the mind yeah uh, when it says sickness is a defense against the truth it's not saying that you're never going to get sick when it says that anger is never justified it's not saying that you're never going to get angry, right? You know, unless you're on Jesus level, which usually doesn't happen until the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, the point is, what is it for? Uh, for example, how long do you stay angry? You know, if you find yourself uh, staying upset less time, you know, where you used to get upset for a few minutes, mm -hmm. now you only get upset for maybe thirty seconds. Well, yeah, and then you turn, and it doesn't linger because you're able to actually uh, vanquish it. You're able to actually just erase it and truly let it go. Yes, that's actually one of the best signs that you're making tremendous spiritual progress. You know, uh, if you spend less time being upset, more time uh, being peaceful. If you get sick, you realize, well, okay, uh, this body is illusory, and if it's not true, then there's not really any difference between having a, a healthy body or a sick body. It's always your perception of whatever body you think you're perceiving. Right, because neither one is true. So how can you say, I mean, we want to attach, you know, that value judgment that we've talked about to everything, when the truth is neither one is true. So how can you say that one is uh, better or more valuable than the other, mm -hmm. when the right way to look at it is that the body itself is not true? If the body itself is not true, then it doesn't make any difference. And what we need to do is we need to experience uh, a way to be peaceful and pain-free, regardless of what appears to be happening. Mm -hmm. And if we do that... You know, then we're doing the course because we're starting to get power over a projection that is actually coming from us instead of being at the effect of it and instead of being a victim. You know, I mean, you can just say, okay, well, I made that up, and if I made that up, then I can change my mind about it, and I can understand that I'm actually innocent, right. and there's no reason for me to suffer uh, any more than, you know, Jesus didn't suffer, not, not really, when he was being crucified. And, uh, you know, you can start to look at the whole thing differently. You know, and what is temptation, for example, according to A Course in Miracles? It's simply the temptation to regard yourself as a body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, that beautiful quotation that starts off, choose once again at the end of the text. You know, it says, temptation has one lesson in all its forms, wherever it occurs. It would persuade the Holy Son of God, he is a body, born in what must die, unable to escape its frailty, and bound by what it orders him to feel. Mm. So, that's the ego's number one play. You know, it's like the ego's number one pitch. If the ego is a baseball player, that would pitcher, that would be like the it's number one pitch. Right. To convince you somehow, and it doesn't matter how, but to convince you somehow that you're a body. So it could do it, uh, well, you get sick, as bodies do, and everybody does eventually, or, uh, you know, you get hurt in some way. And I, I was very, not only very lucky in, in my accident that I didn't get uh, really seriously hurt, oh, but yeah. also that I was able to heal so quickly by using these principles. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, that's the ego's number one play. And your job, when the ego does that to you, is to say, okay, you know, there's my ego again trying to convince me that, uh, you know, I'm really a body with a real problem in a real world that really has to be solved out there on the screen. You know, and uh, that's the ego's job. And if the ego can convince you of that, the ego is going to win, uh, because now the pain isn't in your mind, the pain is in the body. Right, and there's no escape. Right. Yeah. But it, if the pain is in the mind, there is an escape. You know, and that's where the power is, and that's why this is a course and cause and not effect. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why it's all in the way that you look at it, uh, no matter what happens. And then eventually you can get to the point, and I know this drives people crazy, but eventually you can get to the point where it doesn't matter what happens. And that's where real peace lies. That's where real strength lies, where you can be peaceful and happy and pain-free regardless of what appears to be happening right. in the world. Now you're at a position where uh, your happiness and peace is not dependent on a constant world of shift and change, where actually there is no constancy except the fact that it's always changing. Right, it's constant change. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you can switch over to a real constancy that is a peace of mind and uh, a freedom from pain and a happiness you know, that the Course describes as the happy dream, where, you know, you can be happy regardless of what appears to be happening in a dream, and that's real power and real peace. And I think people also, it, it, it's almost like the concept of the Zen master. You picture the person who can't, he's unflappable, he or she. It's the person who can never be bothered by anything. No matter what the circumstances are, they can always find joy. They can always find peace, even in the midst of the greatest turmoil. And that's really, I think, Jesus is the ultimate Zen master. And, and it's a course in, in Zen miracles in that sense, that if you're really doing this, you, you start getting closer to that place where nothing can disturb your peace no matter what the externals appear to be. Yeah, I, I really think that's true, Gene. And, uh, you know, you look at times like what's been going on lately with, uh, you know, this whole financial mess and uh, the fact that everybody's so worried and, uh, you know, the economy looks really bad. And, you know, it's easy for everybody to be uh, hunky-dory and happy when things are going good. Well, it's easy then. You know, but uh, when things aren't going good, you know, uh, what are you going to do then? Mm -hmm. And, uh you know, that's where this becomes uh, very obvious in, in its power is because the world can appear to be going to hell in a handbasket. But, uh, you know, you can look at it and say, well, you know, that's not that's not really the truth. Mm -hmm. And then even with that, it's all relative. You could look back at the 1930s and 1940s and say, well, you know, the world's in pretty good shape right now compared to uh, the way it was back then. But, uh, you know, all the ego needs is that for there to be some fear. You know, it's like it doesn't matter if things are better and, and if people are living longer than they ever did and if uh, they're actually better off than they've ever been. That doesn't matter. All that matters to the ego is that there be some fear. Yeah. yeah. As, long, as long as it's fear, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the truth is or even, uh, you know, not that there's any truth in the illusion, but right. uh, it's all relatives. And if, if the ego can make people fearful, then the ego wins. And the ego is kind of like Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. You know, it's always something. But it is all the ego is is it's seemingly endless in its inventiveness of giving you problems. It just doesn't matter what. If you get something good, we're going to take it away. There's always going to be an issue as far as the ego is concerned. And you know, as the course says, it's all nothing. It's neither good nor bad. When things are great or when things stink, it doesn't matter. It's nothing. The only reality is is the real reality. I think that's true. And uh, the only caveat I want to add is that uh, I don't want people to think that uh, even though it's nothing, that they shouldn't enjoy it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, I, like I say in my workshops, you know, when I go to the movies, I know that it's really not there. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that it's an illusion, but that doesn't stop me from enjoying it. Right. You know, and that's what the world can be like. Yeah, you, know, you can know that it's not true, but that shouldn't stop you from enjoying it. In fact... As you've said, it, uh, you're probably going to say the same thing, but I've heard you say this before, It actually, you can enjoy it more, because you can simply enjoy it for what it is without worrying about what else it might become. That's right, and that's why the Course uses terms like uh, the happy dream. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it talks about one of the ten characteristics of God is being joy. You know, this is, this is a happy kind of spirituality. This is not, uh, you know, religion's always trying to lay this suffering and sacrifice on people. And that's not what A Course in Miracles is doing. A Course in mm -hmm. Miracles is saying, look, if you do this, you'll be happier. You, you, uh, you know, can have more peace of mind. Who knows what that can lead to? You can think more clearly. You can be inspired. Maybe you'll be more healthy. Maybe you won't. But uh, there are all kinds of possibilities that are open there. You know, simply as a result of changing the way that you look at things, practicing forgiveness from a place of cause and not effect, and uh, just kind of like, you know, getting the general message of the Course and applying it to your everyday life, really remarkable things uh, are possible. And, of course, that's a lot uh, of what the next book is about also. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about how that came out. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, getting into that more in future podcasts. But I just wanted to, you know, cover that because, you know, people have asked about, uh, you know, what happened at the airport and all that, and I just wanted to let them know. And, 
you know, aside from that, uh, I guess we could probably get to a few questions. Yeah, we'll do some questions, and uh, I do want to mention to people, I know we were going to try to do all questions, but I wanted to, uh, for this episode, but we wanted to uh, get into what was uh, going on with that, because I know a lot of people were concerned about our Gary, uh, but I, I, I know you're okay, and I'm glad to hear you're actually doing just fine with it. And that's great. I, I like the way you're able to bring that out as an example, because people are going to look to someone like you, who, you know, is knowledgeable and, and talks about and teaches this material. Well, what happens when something crappy really happens to you? you do you do you really do it and you do and that's why and i think that uh, your comments about healing rather quickly again like the the purpose of forgiveness is not to get any benefit in the physical illusion but consequently there also sometimes seems to be a benefit and in this case there there you go yeah yeah i think so and uh you know i just want people to realize you know this isn't the spirituality that guarantees that you know uh the movie is always going to show you something pleasant, because this is a world of duality. This is a world of good and bad, and you're going to get both. And uh, that's true of any master who ever lived. It was true of Buddha. It was true of Jesus. It was true of uh, any master you can think of. Uh, You know, they had stuff happen, and it's not that stuff didn't happen. What made them masters was the way that they looked at it, the way that they dealt with it, the way that they were uh, able to, you know, kind of like get through it in such a way that uh, they didn't suffer the way that other people uh, suffered. Because other people, when they're at the effect of things, that leads to suffering, where the sooner you realize that you're at cause and that it's going on in your mind, then you can change your mind about it and look at it differently. And that's where true mastery lies. Even someone like Lao Tzu, he still had to chop wood and carry water. Yeah, yeah. And uh, (laughs) after he was enlightened, he still had to... You know, chop wood and carry water. The difference was in the way that he was looking at it. You still got to use the can, you know, but but it's a happy experience. It's a happy dream. A happy can. Yeah. Let's go to a couple of questions as we talked about. And what I'll mention here is that uh, we, we're doing a couple of different things, Gary and I, technically on this end, which doesn't really matter too much to, to you, you folks in listener land. But uh, what we hope is that it will kind of streamline our production process so that we can be doing our podcast a little more frequently. So not only this one, are we now going to do some questions for Gary, but uh, we'll get to more on the next one, and it's not going to be that long until we get there. So, there we go. So anyway, interesting that you were talking about that separated shoulder, Gary. Because one of these questions, and we're doing some of the older ones, we're cleaning house and trying to get back to the old ones that we never forget because love has forgotten, no question. But speaking of the separation, we had a question from Fred that said, since there is no separation, isn't God, the Holy Spirit, and Jay all the same? He says, I have some confusion. Sometimes I ask Jay for help. Sometimes I ask God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit. Sometimes my guides, he says, which is not really addressed in DU. He says, but I'm not really sure it makes a difference. But Artin and Persa seem very intent on differentiating them. So I'm curious as to why. Thanks. That's from Fred. So if there's no real separation, then what is the deal with God, Holy Spirit, Jay, Artin, Persa, Gary? What is it? Well, it's like this. Uh, it's true that there's no such thing as separation. And in that case, the only reality is God. The only reality is this, you know, perfect spirit that is God, that is unflawed, untouched, there'd be no differentiation, period. And the Course is extremely uncompromising mm-hmm. about that, and so are Arden and person. The reason that they use words like uh, God, Christ, you know, Jesus, and the reason that A Course in Miracles uses those words is because even though there is no such thing as a separation, we believe in a way that there is, because our experience is that we're separate. Our experience is that we're bodies. So what the Holy Spirit has to do, and you could think of the Holy Spirit as being kind of like the memory of what we really are and where we really are, uh, what the Holy Spirit needs to do is meet us where we think we are. Mm-hmm. You know, people think that their bodies, they're having a linear experience, uh, and I always tell people, look, I'm not here to deny that that's people's experience, because, uh, of course, Miracle says this is a particularly unworthy form of denial. Yeah. To be experiencing that you think that you're a body and that you're in a body, and then to deny that you think that you're a body. Uh, that's not the way out. The way out is to uh, acknowledge that that's your experience and forgive it, and eventually, through forgiveness, uh, transform from the false experience of being a linear being and a spatial being that's in a body to kind of like graduate from that experience and transform over to the experience that you're a non-spatial being having a holographic experience that is not a body but this perfect spirit. And that happens over time, usually. You can have a glimpse of it at any time. You can have an experience 
of being God at any time, which is what you really are. Uh, once you get up to a certain level, once you get up to the level of spirit, then words like God, Christ, spirit, Jesus, heaven, all those words become synonymous. They're all the same thing. There's just this perfect love, and that's reality. Without experiencing that, then anything else that you experience is by definition illusion, and it's not true. And the trick is to use that illusion to look at it a certain way so that you can return to reality, so that you can return in your experience to the reality of being heaven, of being God, uh, of being all of it rather than part of it. That's the experience that the Course is directed toward. You don't get to that experience without utilizing the means. When the Course says that the means of the atonement is forgiveness, well, you know, you've got to utilize that means. You have to utilize forgiveness to get back to that experience of reality. That's why we need words like, uh, you know, God, and then there seems to be Christ, which is what you are as a creation of God. And But those words are only meaningful in a seemingly separate state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with the Holy Spirit. That's your memory of what you are. Well, if you were to return to perfect love, you know, and experience being perfect love, then all those things are the same thing. You know, they're, they're all uh, this perfect oneness. Uh, Jesus today is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit because Jesus has returned to God. Mm-hmm. So if we see Jesus in the dream, and people do, uh, and if the disciples saw Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago after the crucifixion, and we did see him, what that was was the Holy Spirit showing up in the dream, uh, and what the Holy Spirit is, is this perfect love. You know, it's like, uh, that's why the Course says about the Holy Spirit, His is the voice for God, and is therefore taken form. This form is not His reality, right? In other words, what the Holy Spirit's reality is, is perfect love. Just like God, that's what Jesus has uh, returned to, you know, this perfect love. And if He appears to show up in the dream, uh, for example, as the voice of A Course in Miracles, then what that actually is, is the Holy Spirit showing up in the dream in a way that we can accept and understand because the Holy Spirit has to meet us where we think we are. Right. You know, the Holy Spirit has to show up in a way that is acceptable to all people in order to lead us home. But once you get home, then there is no more differentiation. Once you get home, there's only this perfect oneness. And words and concepts and ideas like the Holy Spirit and Christ and Jesus, they disappear. And there's only this perfect oneness, which is God. And your experience becomes God. And in that kind of a condition, you're no different than God. Mm-hmm. So the words are there to lead us home, just as the Course in Miracles is a tool that is there to lead us home. But once you get home, you don't need a Course in Miracles anymore. So you're not going to bring your course book, you know, into heaven with you. <laughs> you know, but uh, it was there to help you get there. Because the course is part of the illusion. That's one of the things hard to believe sometimes. But we've got to keep remembering the course is within the illusion, although the information is leading us out of it. But it is still within, and that so it's no more real than anything else we seem to see. That's right. At one point, the Course even teaches that forgiveness, too, is an illusion. Uh, yeah, because it's not really needed once you've forgiven. Right. It calls it kind of like a happy fiction at yeah. that point. And, yeah. you know, it, it's simply pointing out that uh, forgiveness is uh, an illusion that leads us home instead of an illusion like most illusions that keep us bound here. And lead so us to further illusion. This is yeah. the one illusion that actually takes you out of the illusion. Yeah, and it's all in harmony with the Holy Spirit's way of looking at things. Uh, it's like the full awareness of the atonement is that the separation never occurred. Well, once you have that experience that the separation never occurred, then you don't need any of these other illusory things. But you need them to get there. You need words in order to go beyond words, which is what the Course really does. It right. gives us all these beautiful words that ultimately are meant to lead us beyond all words to an experience that is even beyond the world. And the one great quote out of the Course, and I forget where it exists, you may know it, it's, it's forget this world, forget this Course, and come with holy, empty hands unto your God. So it's like, yeah. leave everything, that's, that's the ultimate move, is to leave everything behind, even the Course itself, because you no longer need it when you simply empty your hands of everything, metaphorically, and, be, and move into God. Yeah, that's a beautiful quote, and that's, that's a great, great way of looking at it. Yeah. Let me jump into another question. We're going to get a couple more in here, and this is another sure. one that's been sitting for a little while, and so we're going to get to it now. It's it's a little bit connected here to what we were just saying. This is from Linda. Hi, Gary. I love your books, DU and Your Immortal Reality. Thank you for writing them. My question, I'm at, I am at the same time relieved and depressed to learn the truth. 
that this world is not real. God is. That's kind of just what we've been talking about here. So we continue. This is good. Thank God. I was beginning to think that I was insane. This we all do, Linda. This clears it up for me. It is the world that is insane, not me. I had the feeling that was true, but it's still nice to hear it from you. The part that has thrown me for a loop is the part about that this life is just a script and that we are just here to play it out. Although we did choose it before, still, what about creating our lives? I did the the be, do, have thing, sort of like attraction, I guess, and sometimes had some success, but other times fell flat on my face. So now I just follow my heart. But what is the point if I can't change anything that will happen in my life? Or are you saying that through forgiveness, I can change the preset script or at least have peace within the preset script? This has really shaken me up in a good way, I hope. I think that you might uh, know how I feel. Any advice and hope that you're willing to share with me is appreciated. Thank you. That's from Linda. Yeah. Well, you said a mouthful, but uh, <laughs> it's like uh, the thing to remember is this. If you practice forgiveness, then there are a couple of different things that can can happen. First of all, uh, the Course talks about the Holy Spirit collapsing time. Uh, the Course talks about the, the Holy Spirit uh, helping us change dimensions of time. It talks about how the miracle, which is forgiveness, works in all the dimensions of time. Your sole responsibility, according to A Course of Miracles, is to accept the atonement for yourself. If you think of the atonement as being the end game, kind of like at one minute, and then what, of course, says the means of the atonement is forgiveness. Well, if your sole responsibility is to accept the atonement for yourself, then that means that your sole responsibility in this is to practice forgiveness. Not to worry about what anybody else is doing, but to practice forgiveness. That's your sole responsibility. And if you do it, it will change your experience uh, of the world. Uh, if you accept your sole responsibility, which is to practice forgiveness, you're doing your job, and you're going to get through the ego's script uh, as quickly as you possibly can, as long as you practice forgiveness. Uh, what you can do, rather than changing the script, is that you can get through it a lot faster. That's why it's important to remember that the goal of the Course is nothing less than to go home, nothing less than to uh, you know, achieve uh, in, in our experience and, and ultimately our reality, because uh, the more you have this experience of perfect oneness with God, the more it becomes your reality. And uh, the more your reality becomes spirit instead of being a body, and of course the kind of spirit I'm talking about is this perfect oneness with God, you know, as the Course describes heaven, you know, the awareness of perfect oneness. That's why I say eventually a lot of these words uh, become synonymous. And it's forgiveness that leads to that experience. And uh, the point of the whole thing, you know, you might say, well, if it's all an illusion, what's the point? Well, the answer is, uh, the point is to go home. You know, the point is to uh, get to the point where you don't suffer. You could think of that as a common goal of both Buddhism and the Course in Miracles as the end of suffering. Uh, if you stay stuck in illusions, which is a world of duality where you have uh, good and bad, which means you're also going to have pain, uh, if you stay stuck in those illusions, then eventually you're going to suffer. Where if you can get to the point where you can be, you know, kind of like this painless spirit, uh and get to the point where it doesn't matter what happens in the illusion, then you're doing the course, and you're going to get through the whole thing quicker because the Holy Spirit will collapse time for you as you do this kind of forgiveness. You know, And then on top of that, you could even switch dimensions of time uh, without realizing it, as we've covered before. It's, it's kind of like uh, watching a DVD, and uh, you know, every now and then, if you rent a DVD, you'll get to watch like a, they'll give you an alternate ending. Right. Well... You know, even that alternate ending is already filmed, but it is a different experience. Right, and you don't you don't do that yourself. That's actually the Holy Spirit doing it. I think you've said before that we're not even aware when that happens. It just happens. It seems seamless to us, but it's actually happening at the Holy Spirit's level. Yes, it's true that sometimes uh, you could sense that it happened, and you would sense that something is different, uh, mm. and that's possible. But uh, you're right because uh, only the Holy Spirit has all the information that's necessary in order mm. to make that kind of a decision. I mean. Uh, people, you know, they can only see what's right in front of their face. Right. Or the Holy Spirit can see everything that ever happened. You know, who's going to be in a better position to have to make that kind of a decision? Mm. Uh, and you can say that about all of our decisions, which right. is always wise to consult with the Holy Spirit uh, whenever you do anything. Of course, the real reason for that is because when you do that, you're undoing the idea of separation right. uh, in your mind. And uh, it's kind of like the manual for teachers says, uh, you know, this is how you are absolved of guilt. You know, it, it's one of the three ways that I use the most uh, to teach people to undo the ego. 
And, uh, you know, in doing that, you know, and I don't, I don't have time to do that right now, but in a workshop I actually go through the three major ways, as I call it, of undoing the ego. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you put all three together, then what it does is it accelerates that process of undoing the ego. And uh, you could think of the Holy Spirit script as kind of like being a reinterpretation of the ego script. It's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit to change the world. As, as the Course in Miracles says, seek not to change the world, seek rather to change your mind about the world. Mm-hmm. And so the Holy Spirit's uh, way of, of uh, doing uh, this job of getting us through the whole thing faster is by looking at the ego script differently. Then, you know, if you look at the ego script with the ego, all you're going to get is the interpretation that the ego wants you to get, and the ego wants you to stay here because this whole thing feels special to the ego, and the ego wants to keep it going. Where the Holy Spirit will look at the ego and what appears to be happening in the world, it's the way that you look at the ego script, which is totally different. You know, the Holy Spirit has a completely different interpretation of it uh, based on, you know, being a cause, not being a victim, coming from a place of power, coming from a place of love and forgiveness. You know, it's just a totally different way of looking at it. And if you look at it that way, then you will get through the whole thing faster. Even while you appear to be here, you will suffer less. Uh, it's a totally different experience of life. And uh, there's real joy at times. And then eventually there's nothing but joy because you can't uh, feel any pain anyway. And if I've said this before, but if you take away the pain, then uh, there are no problems. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the real problem. It's <laughs> the pain that's associated with right, the problem. Right. If you took away all suffering, then only joy would be left. You can't have both. But if you took away the pain, if you took away the suffering, if you took away the bad, then the good would be all that's left, which is why if you undo the ego, then eventually love is all that's left, which is the real you. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this is such a brilliant approach to spirituality, because it's about undoing the faults. And if you undo the faults, then eventually the real will be all that's left. You're not doing anything to go up against what, what the fault is, because that would make it real. What you're simply doing is peeling it away until there's none of it left, and then it simply isn't. That's right. Cool. Let's do another one. I have another one more question here. I think we have time for one more, and, uh, and then perhaps a little closing comment from the Gehrmeister. Yeah, I'm thinking, Gene, that maybe uh, you know, we, we could do another... Uh, maybe our next podcast could also be just questions and answers. Yeah, because we do have a lot. And as I mentioned in, the, in our previous episode that, uh, you know, and, and I want people to know, quite honestly, we've had these coming in for quite a long time. And we got a, a huge load of questions when we first started. And I don't want anybody to think they've been forgotten, they, as I was kidding with. But I'm um, seriously, they, they don't get forgotten. We have them here. That's why this time we're trying to kind of clean house and get to some of those old ones, which are great questions. And we'll do more of that in the next episode as well. Yeah, in fact, uh, I mean, I wanted to talk about something, you know, uh, earlier okay. in this in this uh, broadcast, which is why, you know, kind of like uh, we got a little bit off track, but there were a couple of things that people were uh, mentioning concern about, so I'm glad we talked about them this time. But I think next time we can stick to almost all questions and answers, and we'll get to more of them that way. Okay, cool, because we sure have no shortage of them. But we really appreciate that. That's great. And, you know, as we've said before, I hear so much from people that they really enjoy the question segments, uh, even if it's not their question. Because for every one person who writes in on a topic, there's probably 100 people who would like to write on the same one, and they, they're happy to hear that. So so it's great I stuff. I think that's true. It's kind of like me uh, when I talk to Hart and Persa. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm asking questions, and then people will tell me afterwards, boy, I'm glad you asked them that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we all tend to have the same questions, and I, I would have a lot of the same questions as everybody else. Right. And so uh, that, that's why I think, uh, you know, the books are so helpful, because they explain a lot of things to people that people want to know. It's just by virtue of the fact that I'm asking a lot of the same questions that they would ask anyway. Yeah, and you're, you know, we always talk about this. For people who've met you, they know this already. You're really a regular guy. I mean, you know, you've had your unique experiences and stuff, but you're an everyman in that sense, an every person. So you're a, a good person to have information come through because you ask the questions that we would ask, that anybody would ask. So, you know, you're not some uh, guru on a hill somewhere. Yeah, that's what I tell people at my workshops. I mean, at the end of the day, what we really are to each other is friends. You know, and that's that's the way I like it. I like, you know, I like that, and I like the fact that uh, the people that I meet think of me as being a friend. I, I know that often I'm at a disadvantage because I do actually uh, reveal a lot more about myself uh, in my books than most spiritual teachers do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's especially true of the next book also. Oh. And... Uh, so it's like people who read my books, they, they feel as though they know me. Uh-huh. And uh, I like that because, uh, you know, they do feel 
like we're friends. Yeah. And uh, so that that's a good way to be coming from, rather than, you know, I'm, I'm not, certainly not putting anybody else down, but a lot of the spiritual teachers out there, they present themselves as being perfect. They present themselves as being masters. And then, of course, we meet them, and, it, you know, we can see what they really are. The feet of clay. Yeah, they're people. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, so it's like, uh, you know, it's actually... Uh, kind of like easier for me to just be normal and just present myself as a normal wait i didn't say you were normal oh, well, okay. <laughs> just a regular guy let's just say normal for me okay <laughs> yeah you're pretty much what you see is what you get i mean people who you know we've done things together in public and and you know, people, oh you know gary he's just like i thought he'd be well of course that's i mean you pretty much are you you know yeah and i think that um you know the best way you know uh, there was something that my teacher said in the first book they said that the greatest progress is not made by being a great teacher. They said the greatest progress is made by being a great student. Mm. And uh, I, I really think that's true, because uh, even though I do take sort of a teaching role, uh, it's not traditional, and uh, obviously, I mean, somebody has to be there who uh, has nothing to lose and so can actually tell people what, what A Course in Miracles says, because God knows that the famous teachers... Of the course, uh, they either don't know what it means or they're afraid to tell anybody. Mm. One of the two, and uh, so it's good, you know, to have uh, you know somebody who wasn't uh, famous and uh, didn't have anything to lose, so to speak, to present this kind of spirituality because it is extremely radical, and uh, you know I think that uh, a lot of people uh, who even have been with the course for a long time don't understand how radical it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to uh, just be able to go out there and say, okay, who, who gives a damn about what anybody thinks? Yeah. You know, here it is, and if you like it, fine. If you don't like it, well, you know, that's okay. Didn't Arton say something like, a willingness to learn, always a wonderful qualification in a student? Yeah. I seem to remember saying that for him at one point. That's true, and, yeah, and I've learned that, uh, you know, people, if they're going to learn something, they have to want to learn it. Yeah. You know, you can't get somebody to uh, decide that it's time to go home. Right. You know, only the prodigal son, like in Jesus' story, when he comes to himself, well, only an individual can make that kind of a personal decision if they think that it's time to go home to God. And I can't do that, and so why try? I can't get somebody to uh, believe something that they don't want to believe. You know, I, I can't get somebody, uh, you know, to kind of think a different way than what they think. They have to be in a position where they're ready for it or they want it uh, or something like that. So, uh um, that's kind of like freeing for me because I don't have to worry about it. I don't have, I don't have to worry about what anybody thinks about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is do my job and, you know, trust the Holy Spirit, uh, which is in everybody's mind, you know, to, to take care of the rest. And that's one of the things that really drew me to the course when I first uh, encountered it many years ago was that it's not preachy and it's not saying this is the only way and you have to go out and change people's minds. It's the opposite of that. It's just simply if you're ready, here it is. And if not, that's fine. You know, and, you know, there are many, many paths and some of them are going to be quicker and more effective for some people than others. And this is one of them. And if it's for you, you'll know. And, you know, there's nothing beyond that. It's funny, too, that you said that it's it's just wanting to learn the willingness to learn that works in the world while we're learning. But how many times does the course refer to the little willingness is all we need to do? We don't do anything. We just open our willingness to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do the work for us. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, if you have that willingness, then, uh, you know, you can uh, go a long way. It's mm-hmm. pretty fast sometimes. Yeah. Let me jump in with one other one here. And uh, this is, a, a, hopefully it'll be a fairly quick answer, and then we'll let you do a little wrap-up after that. Uh, this one came in from Maxi. Uh, says, Aloha, Gene. Love the podcasts. And I'll jump ahead to the one part. says, I have another suggestion for Gary to check out the Big Island as a place to buy his condo. If you're thinking of buying over there, Gary. She says, I lived, I've lived here for 25 years, and the Big Island is the best of all. So so there. I know you love Hawaii, so I thought I'd throw that in. That was at the end of the question, but I'll get to the question. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I finally made it to the Big Island, I believe mm-hmm. it was last February. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there are about, oh, six major islands that you can go to, uh, that you can visit in right. Hawaii. I've been to uh, five of them. And uh, I haven't been to Molokai yet, but I'm sure I'll hit that eventually. I was there long, long, I was only in Hawaii once, long time ago, but yeah, Molokai was very, it's one of the smaller, and at that time, very undeveloped. It was real cool. Yeah, it's still uh, like the least populated, along mm-hmm. with Lanai, yeah. uh, which is uh, you know, also very unpopulated. I have been to Lanai, not yet Molokai. Now, the big island, I finally made it to last February, and uh-huh. I loved it. I thought it was great. 
Uh, I was in Kailua, Kona, on mm-hmm. that side. I uh, really like, really like Kona. And uh, a lot of people do. Uh, Doreen Virtue has moved there. Ah. Uh, to Kona. You know, our friend who did the audio CD with us. And, yes. Uh, oh, so she's not in uh, SoCal anymore? No, she left Laguna Beach. No and, kidding. Uh, moved to the Big Island. Wow. And uh, she to, loves To get there. even farther away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do, but yeah, oh. she did. And uh, a couple of friends from Oahu who have moved to the Big Island, and uh, it's a great place to go. I didn't make it over to the side, you know, where the Volcanoes National Park is. I want right. to see the lava flow and stuff like that. I haven't, Mauna Loa. Yeah, I haven't been over to the Hilo side yet, uh-huh. but I will, I'm sure, next time. And yeah. uh, in the meantime, I really, I did a workshop in Kailua. It was great. Wow. And, uh, you know, I went to... Uh, you know, some famous places that I've always, uh, you know, because one of my favorite songs, of course, is I want to go back to my little grass shack in Kianakahoe, Hawaii. Hey, there you go. You know, where the Huma Huma Nuka Nuka Wapa Wapa goes oh, by. I don't think we can say that on, on, a, on a podcast. I think. Um, oh, that's the Hawaii State Fish. Oh, okay. I thought it was, oh, never mind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, what was I just going to say to you about that? Uh I've totally, totally lost my train of thought entirely. But yeah, oh no, I was going to say that maybe down the line we can actually do like a a live podcast session from Hawaii together. Yeah, well, I'm up for it. I'd like to do that. And you know, if you ever heard that song I mentioned, yeah, I've actually been to uh, Ho Ho Now Now. You've so, been to yeah. that place? Yeah, yeah. So you know, and I that's, actually uh, we went swimming with the dolphins out uh, with the ah. with the wild dolphins. So that's where that was. Yeah, I, I've done uh, a couple of different swims with dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one on the Big Island I did with the wild dolphins, the spinner dolphins. Uh, on Oahu, I did a couple with the uh, dolphins that are, you know, uh, in the places like SeaWorld and, and right. uh, you know, this uh, great hotel called the uh, Kahala mm-hmm. uh, Hilton. And they have uh, those are the they actually have Atlantic bottlenose dolphins in captivity because they are considered to be the easiest to train. Ah, and. Uh, the spinner dolphins are a little more wild. You have to be a little, be a little bit more careful with them. I mean, they certainly don't like you to touch their face. Oh, really? You know, but okay. when you think about it, would you like somebody grabbing your face? You know? Well, it depends who's doing it. Well, yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like you have to be a little bit more careful. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're, and boy, you're in their element. Uh, we did that in Florida Keys one time with the dolphins, and you, you very quickly learned they are in charge and you are not. <laughs> so right. it's a, They're incredible creatures, though. Yeah, but I really do like the... Uh, you know, the big island, all the islands in Hawaii, they're all Hawaii, and yet they all have their own personality at the same time. And uh, so it's really interesting, you know, to go to the different islands, uh, see what they're like. And I'm sure I'll, I'll be going back to uh, the big island. I don't know if I'll mm-hmm. buy a condo there or not, but you never know. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Well, you can look up Maxie if you do. Here's Maxie's question. We were just talking about uh, dolphins, and uh, not too long ago, you and I were on this subject as well, because uh, Maxie's question, tell me, do the animals, our pets that we love so dearly, after they pass over, like my beloved cat, Bear, who I was companions with for 20 years, do they come back for other lifetimes, or are they just here in the illusion one time? So that's from Maxie about her pet. Yes, actually, uh, pets, you know, even though we think of them as being much different uh, than humans, they do have uh, similar things that they go through. They do learn. Uh, they do uh, advance spiritually. They do come back again and again. Uh, sometimes we have the same pets in different, uh, you know, incarnations. Not that we actually incarnate, as I, you know, kind of like explained earlier. Right, not the reality. But in, but, in that projection, yes, uh, they do appear. Uh, to come back, and that seemingly separated mind it does appear to manifest as, uh, you know, some kind of a body in the world. And in the end, you know, when all is said and done, and we're all there in heaven, then in that awareness of perfect oneness, that animal that you loved in another lifetime will be there with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, you won't miss them. It's kind of like they'll actually be there, not as bodies but in that awareness of perfect oneness that we've been talking about, where by definition, if it's perfect oneness, then nothing can be left out. Nobody can be left out, or else it wouldn't be perfect oneness. Right. So you, uh, you're not going to miss them. They're, even though they're not going to be there as bodies, you're in your awareness, you will sense that they are there, not as separate beings, but as you, which is even better, because, uh, you know, in this world, even when you love somebody, there's still a sense of separation, which is why you're always trying to join with them at the level of the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an attempt to reunite with your source, to reunite with that perfect oneness. In heaven, uh, what you think of as love in this world, well, in heaven, it's even better, 
In fact, it's much better because you actually have that joining. You actually have that perfect oneness that you've been trying to attain in the world but have not yet been ready to do it because it's not really possible. It's kind of like A Course in Miracles explains. True joining can only take place at the level of the mind. Uh, I'm not saying that we won't try to join as bodies. In fact, we'll probably try uh, very hard. It's just that uh, at the same time, the Course is teaching, no, that, that real union that you are seeking is going to be found beyond the body. It's going to be found at the level of the mind. It's a union with God where in that place, all of a sudden, you are actually joined with everything. And that experience is way beyond any experience that this world has to offer. So, uh, you know, people at first, when they get into this kind of spirituality, they think that they're being asked to give up something. But they're only being asked to give up what they know. And if they had the experience of reality and that perfect oneness, then they'd realize that it's actually better, that you're not giving up anything. You're actually being given everything. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the, that's the thing. If people could realize that what they're being offered is so much better than what they thought they were giving up, then I think they would, uh, you know, really be anxious <laughs> to get home <laughs> because it really is better. And I and guess it's, it's the fear of loss is what we're really fearing while we think we're here. And once, you're, once you no longer have that, you realize there was never anything to fear because there was never any loss to be had. That's right. And then uh, on top of that, you know, it's kind of like uh, the bodies that uh, you love in this world, well, unfortunately, you're going to lose them anyway. Yeah, no matter what. Nobody here gets out alive. That's right. And yet in heaven, you can't lose. You can't lose uh, them. And that's, you know, as you go along, you start to realize that, uh, that, you know, the people and the animals that you had that are no longer with you, you can't really ever lose them uh, any more than you could ever really lose God. So uh, in reality, in the end, you're going to be with them forever. And that really is better. It's really better to be, uh, you know, uh, in a position where you can see your loved ones as something that is going to last forever and people that you're going to be able to be with forever, instead of seeing them as these temporary bodies that are, you know, kind of like in a position where eventually they have to pass away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. And that uh, I guess it doesn't matter then whether it's a if it's an animal body like one of our beloved pets, as you and I have talked about, uh, or, or a human body. It doesn't matter. It's really all projection, and the only reality is the love that is shared. And that that can never be taken away, and in fact, will be greater an experience than than we can even have in this on this end of the illusion. That's right. That's right. It's a beautiful thing. I know we're going to wrap it up here, and we're we're going to do uh, one quick closing comment from you. But uh, once again, just let everybody know we're going to try to uh, come back with a, another podcast episode a little more rapidly than we have in the past. We're going to see if we can do these a little bit more frequently. Keep you up to date on Gary's shoulder and all the important things. <laughs> that he's doing as well as getting to a lot of questions we're going to do many more of them in our next one so uh so what we'll wrap it up at the end of this one as we'll let you give your answer to this gary in the meantime always great talking to you my friend and uh once again we we talked last time about the cruise that we did back in july that was so much fun we'll talk more about that in the next podcast particularly the fact that the next cruise will be in march and it's going to be in the caribbean leaving from fort lauderdale on the uh, holland america westerdam once again the same ship that we went to alaska with magically they transported around the globe and we'll be uh, going down to the caribbean in march so that will be a lot of fun you'll be doing lots of workshops lots of also but we'll talk about that more next time but they can find out information about that cruise right at your website right? that's right okay. uh, gary renard.com i think that i think you named that yourself yeah i did picked a good name on that one all well, right well it's th- kind of like our audio cd that we did you know uh, i played myself and you know i auditioned a lot of people <laughs> and you made the right choice finally that's right. yeah <laughs> Remember, you were auditioning Bo Derek for a while, but it, it somehow you decided you were better at this. Yeah, yeah, but I had to be sure. Yeah, you can't, can't fake around with these kind of things. They're too important, too critical. All right, uh, let's do this. I want to give you this last little question because it's, it's, this is the one new question that we had. It just came in recently uh, from Steve, not our spoof buddy, Steve, and a, a different Steve. Uh, and it's an interesting one because a lot of people ask about this, so I know you'll make it a brief answer because I don't think it'll take that long. However, here's the question. Okay, and so this, uh, this question just came pouring in. It came pouring in. Okay. Yes, along with the tsunami that apparently hasn't hit you yet. Well, let me see. What time is it? Okay, we still get about, uh, in my time, about uh, eight and a half hours here. Okay, well. For this to happen today, I'm hoping it won't. But if it does, uh, then uh, I'll try to communicate with you in some way, Gene. Do that. I was going to say we can discuss it in our next podcast, but if, if the big one hits, there may not be a next podcast. So I'll just go on alone and explain what happened to you after you somehow get it through the ether to me. 
I knew you'd be there for me, buddy. Uh, anytime, anytime. Okay. To tell those tell Art in person they can show up on my couch. Give me the update on what's happening with you. Yeah, that's right. I still, uh, you know, that couch that they always appeared on in Maine. Yeah. Uh, my former wife Karen actually sent it to me. No kidding. Uh, yeah, she gave it back to me. I, I lost it. <laughs> I lost it in the divorce. And uh, you got it she, back. She sent it back to me. I got it uh, down in the. Uh, I have a storage space mm-hmm. down in the basement. And, uh, you know, I got the actual couch there. So who knows? Maybe someday when I'm retired, if I run out of money, I can put it on eBay or something. On eBay. Or at least it'll end up in the spiritual Smithsonian right next to Archie Bunker's chair. Hey, that, there you go. There you go. That works. Good one. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's so many things I'd like to say. This is the first I've heard of that. That's great. Well, yeah. that's because that was like, that's that's your immortal couch, you know. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, art in person may be... Uh, you know, temporary, but their reality is real, and what they're doing is they're just trying to lead us back to that reality, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we're all going to be the same, and uh, it's like Jesus says in the Course, there's nothing about me that you cannot attain, so uh, we're all going to be the same, we're all going to end up at the same place. We're already yeah. there, well, I mean, yeah. that's the thing, we've already attained it, we just don't remember that, so we're awakening to that memory. Yeah, and all these future lifetimes we think that we're going to have have already happened, and it's, you know, just a total mind-blower. But, uh, you know, it's also fun, so uh, what the heck. (laughs) Sorry, I said, what the heck. All right, here's your final question for the night, a quick one to take us out, and it's a very nice generic question that uh, a lot of people will like the answer to. So from Steve, says, Gene, can you ask Gary, I'm doing it right now, Steve, can you ask Gary if his guides specifically mentioned a best way to meditate? So, Gary Renard, leave us with this nugget of wisdom. Uh, Yeah, actually, uh, they did. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can learn about it. Uh, First of all, in the Disappearance of the Universe, there's a chapter called True Prayer and Abundance. And uh, it's about prayer, but prayer isn't what we think it is. It's actually a meditation. And they explain uh, how it works and why it works at the conclusion of that chapter called True Prayer and Abundance. I believe the pages would be, because uh, I mentioned this a lot in the workshops, so the pages would be 350 to 353 in Disappearance, the last three pages of that chapter. And uh, that's one way of learning about it. Now, I do that meditation. I actually do uh, the meditation that I think is the best way, the way that it was taught to me uh, by Arden and Persa, uh, on my second audio CD, which sounds true, which is called Secrets of the Immortal. Now, if you want to wait uh, oh, about a month and a half, well, by the time this podcast is on, probably less than a month, uh, I'm also going to do that meditation, except it'll be a little more updated meditation, because it tends to, you know, uh, evolve as I kind of like change, you know, as uh, as years go by. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it again on my next audio CD, which sounds true. Uh, I have a new one coming out in November called Fearless Love, and it's very much connected with the kind of work that I've been doing that you'll see in the next book. Uh, it's not an audio book. It's, it's a you know unique uh, presentation, uh, more like my workshops. And uh, the reason I bring this up is because you know uh, that second audio CD with Sounds True Secrets of the Immortal is a little bit more expensive because it has six audio CDs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got the first presentation, which was called The End of Reincarnation, which is about two and a half hours long. It has two audio CDs. Uh, the second one with Sounds True, which is called... Uh, Secrets of the Immortal. That's a six-CD presentation. It's about seven hours long. You know, it's a little more expensive. It's my favorite thing that I've done on audio, except, of course, when I worked with my buddy Gene here on the uh, audio CD. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> but uh, the next audio CD that I do, which sounds true, the third one, which is called Fearless Love, mm-hmm. which will be out in November, uh, that's a shorter presentation. It's two and a half hours. Uh, there's a lot of new stuff on it. Uh, I talk about my relationship uh, with my former wife and a lot of things that happen that are quite personal but are nonetheless connected to this kind of work. And uh, I do that meditation, which is actually the original form of prayer, but most people don't realize that the original form of prayer was silent, Mm. that it it was done without words, and that the words that I use in this are simply like a guided meditation to try to get you to that place where you actually join with God and become one with your source. And that's a real prayer. But it's kind of like the meditations that you see uh, late in A Course in Miracles in the workbook, where you're actually joining with God. Uh, It's really about an approach to God, where you become one with God and experience your oneness with your source. That's real prayer. 
uh, at one point in the workbook, Jesus actually even has you call out to God, almost like you're inviting God to join with you. It, it's, it's really about losing that fear of God, which most people don't even know that they have because it's unconscious. But it's really about losing that. And one of the ways to lose it, and this is one of the three ways that I you know, teach people to undo the ego, is actually to join with God and become one with God. And on my next audio CD, uh, once again, Fearless Love, uh, which sounds true, and I'll be announcing that probably in the November uh, e-newsletter that I send out, which anybody can get if they just subscribe to my database at my website, just says join Gary's email list. Uh, if you do that, then I send this out, and uh, it explains what's going on, what the most recent uh, information is. You'll be able to get that, and you can actually do that meditation with me, so it's not like you have to have any guesswork. I actually do it with you, and you can do it with me, and, and uh, eventually you can get to the point where you can do it on your own. And uh, it's a good meditation. You close your eyes. You become one with your source. I would just say, just don't do it while you're driving. That's all. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's about it. I would actually recommend that you do it with me. But if you want to learn the dynamics of it, that would be in the book, uh, The Disappearance of the Universe, also. And don't do it while you're driving. That's right. The Gary Renard Podcast is presented by Enlighten Up Creations. Produced and released by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2008 and for the entire future. <laughs> Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved. For more information about Gary and his activities and his schedule and his books and workshops and everything else, go to his website. We just mentioned it, www.garyrenard.com. And, of course, for more information about what we're both doing and the podcasts, which you can find at iTunes as well. But you can also connect with us at forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thank you so much for listening. We will be back quite soon with our next episode with more questions for Gary. But we like to leave you with the statement that whatever the question or situation, forgiveness is always the answer.